Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. Hi, everyone. I'm Caroline Mawasasi, and I am your host for the Fact Roundtable podcast. I am a food allergy parent, advocate, and the founder of the Grateful Foodie blog, and I am Fact's Vice President of Community Relations. Before we start, we want to highlight FACT's platinum sponsor, the National Peanut Board, and thank them for their years of continued support and partnership. We're exploring oral immunotherapy, also known as OIT, with FACT's Medical Advisory Board member, Dr. Catherine Adagnastu, on how to explore what to expect when the initial OIT protocol has concluded and what life after will look like. Welcome, Dr. Anagastu, to Facts Roundtable Podcast. We're absolutely thrilled and delighted to have you on our podcast today to discuss OIT. Thank you so much for having me and for the kind invitation. Oh, you are very welcome. So now before we talk about OIT, can you please share your background with our listeners? You speak all over the world and are very interesting. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, I'm currently a professor in pediatric allergy at Baylor College of Medicine and Texas Children's Hospital. And I have been working in the field of allergy since 2008, so a good 15 years now. I have a special interest and expertise in food allergy, especially in the area of therapeutics. And I'm currently the director for our food immunotherapy program here at Texas Children's. And I have also led multiple phase two and phase three clinical research trials in uh, various food allergy therapies. I also have a special interest in anaphylaxis, um, shared decision-making and quality of life. And I think you could argue that all of these are somehow components of oral immunotherapy as well. I think you're very right. And I think it's safe to say we have an amazing expert in the house. So listeners, get out the pen. And also I'll make sure in our show notes, we have links to additional information. So now let's discuss the basics of OIT and exactly what is it. And then if you can go over what it, treatment really would look like for a family, like for the patient and then for the parents and siblings and everyone else involved. Sure. So oral immunotherapy is a form of active therapy for managing food allergies. For many, many years, all that we could have was strict avoidance of the food allergen for patients. Now we are shifting a little bit of focus to more active approaches. So the idea behind oral immunotherapy is that we want to retrain the immune system so it doesn't see food as an enemy. Because for food allergic individuals, when the body gets exposed to any food allergen, ingests uh, their food allergen, then the body thinks it's being attacked. It's an abnormal response of the immune system that causes the allergic reaction. So we are trying to change that. And the way to do that is we start from very small doses of the allergenic food that are given to the food allergic patient to eat. And we gradually increase those doses over time in a very controlled, systematic manner. 
and this is done under allergist supervision. It's not something that can be done in any other environment or at home or empirically. It is a very specialized procedure that has to be done under a supervision of an allergist who has experience in oral immunotherapy. So like I said before, we start from small doses, we gradually increase over a period of usually anywhere between 6 to 12 months, and we aim for what we call a target dose, also called a maintenance dose, which is the top dose that we're hoping the food allergic patient will be able to reach and be able to eat without having any reactions at the end of this process. And once the allergic individual reaches that dose, then we consider them on maintenance and we also consider them desensitized. So another sort of name for this process is desensitization. Now there are benefits and risks, obviously, with this intervention. I will start with the risks. Most patients will experience some sort of allergic reaction during the therapy, but happily for the majority, this will be a mild or a moderate allergic reaction, although in about one in 10 patients, we may also see anaphylaxis. These reactions are obviously treated during the therapy, and even if someone experiences anaphylaxis, that does not mean that they will not succeed. Actually, the rate of success with food oral immunotherapy is very high, and for most protocols, it's around the 70 to 90% success rate, so very, very high. Now, looking at the benefits of this process, at the end of it, patients that were previously unable to, to eat any of the allergenic food or were eating very small amounts are now able to eat much larger amounts of the food that they are allergic to. Again, the amounts will vary. They can be different from protocol to protocol, but that is definitely one of the benefits. There is an increased threshold. There's an increased ability to eat larger doses of the food. Another benefit is that if the patient gets accidentally exposed to their allergenic food, they are likely to either have no reaction if the amount of exposure is very small or have a decreased severity of a reaction compared to if they had not been desensitized. And generally, there has been quite some research in this area looking at different patient outcomes. And a lot of studies have suggested that quality of life improves because uh, the patients are now able to eat small amounts or medium amounts of the food and therefore their anxiety around the social circumstances that involve eating of the allergenic food is now decreased and their quality of life is generally improved following this intervention. Thank you for that very clear and really precise explanation, easy to understand explanation of OIT. But can we go just a teeny bit deeper? What does daily life or weekly life or even monthly life look like when you are in that treatment process? So once patients uh, reach the maintenance phase, they need to continue eating the dose on a daily basis or at least on a regular basis. But maintenance generally looks different for different individuals. So for some, protection for accidental exposures is the main aim. And once they have achieved that, they, they are very happy to stay on that. For others, eating larger amounts of food in addition to the daily dose may be the aim. And we have Patients on maintenance that achieved just that, they're able to, for example, eat a peanut butter sandwich in addition to their daily dose. And then there's a small number that is seeking what we call eating at lib, which means eating any amount of the food at any time and being able to stop eating in between without having reactions. Now, that is a goal that very few patients achieve, unfortunately, with OIT, but 
recent research has shown that it is actually something that potentially can be achieved by a larger number of patients if they start oral immunotherapy very early on in life. So this is currently an area of intense interest. We're looking at the use of oral immunotherapy in infants and toddlers. Follow-up is generally very important. So once the process of desensitization is complete, I would encourage patients to stay in touch with their regular allergist because issues can also occur during maintenance. For example, we find that a lot of children may show fatigue from the daily treatment, and this is something that can be addressed in many different ways by the allergist. Some may also develop a sort of taste dislike towards the food that they're eating. And again, this is something that can be addressed by the allergist by changing, for example, the types of food that is eaten, the types of products, and make the daily life a little bit more variable and a bit more interesting taste-wise as well. But it's very important to continue taking a regular dose of OIT during maintenance and also follow up with a regular allergist. And so if a family does decide to do OIT, and we'll talk in just a minute about how families can research OIT, but let's say a family does decide they want to do OIT, do they need to look for a specific center or any kind of allergist can do this? Who do they look towards? So I would definitely recommend that they look on the website for both the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology and also the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology because there are lists and multiple names of uh, very highly qualified allergists all around the country so they can look specifically for their area. Ideally, they would want to be looked after by an allergist who has some experience with oral immunotherapy and they will also need to do a little bit of prep work. I always encourage families that they go prepared to their appointment. So they need to think a little bit about what their goals are in terms of, the tr- of this treatment. So what do they want to achieve for their child? And the child as well, if they are of age, they can also um, consider these questions. Do they want protection from accidental exposures? Do they want to introduce the food in the diet at larger amounts? What are they looking at as the end result and the outcome? This is quite important because when they initiate the conversation with the allergist, they can definitely share the view of the treatment for them specifically, their goals and their expectations and their preferences. Going even more deeper into that, so let's say a family definitely is very interested in OIT. How do they even begin researching and doing their homework ahead of time before they do go speak to their doctor? So where do they begin? And if you have any other additional questions they should be asking themselves as well, because I know just from friends I have who are in OIT, they have to think ahead to when their child's in high school and college and them staying up on their maintenance and things like that? Yeah, that is an excellent question. And unfortunately, we we live at times where there is a lot of misinformation as well. And it can at times become quite difficult to differentiate between information that is valid and information that is just made up and just, just lives out there. So the websites that I mentioned before from both societies, the American Academy and also the American College of Allergy and Immunology, wonderful websites and they contain a tremendous amount of information. So there is information specifically for food immunotherapy. Uh, There are patient videos that patients can access and these are all publicly available. 
In the American College website in particular, there is also a decision aid for peanut allergy therapy. So lots and lots of different resources. So I would definitely encourage families to go to those websites and explore a little bit. And I am certain they will find uh, most of the information that they need. And at the end of the day, they can take that information, look at it, discuss it between them, and then bring it back to the allergist. Because the person who will be responsible for supervising this process, their allergist is also a key person in this in this whole process. So I would say choose wisely. And, you know, just to add a little emphasis on that, you know, you're right. The allergist is the person who knows that child very well because they've probably been growing up with each other. And that's really helpful because both my kids are a little on the older side when OIT started becoming readily available. And our allergist said, you know what, you guys struggle with even taking your asthma meds. So now's not the time. You know, and they were heading into college and different things. And so it was just really helpful to have our allergist be able to say, you know, I'll let you know when it's time. Absolutely. That relationship is very important. Oh, I know. Our allergist is our favorite human on the planet. We bring gifts when we go to the office. We <laughs> love the staff and our allergist so much. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. Your profession is just uh, amazing because you're the ones who really guide us and help us and ease our fears and, and get us in a good spot. So now our time is actually coming to the end together. So before we wrap up today, is there anything else that you would like our listeners to hear from you? I think I would just like to say that these are really exciting and promising times for food allergy. We have multiple therapies currently in development and being researched as we speak, and they have the potential to completely change the landscape of food allergy management. At the same time, I think I can appreciate that this can feel confusing and sometimes quite complicated. So again, I would encourage uh, anyone interested in these new therapies to see their trusted allergies and discuss their options at length and decide what is best for them and for their child. Because at the end of the day, there's no right and there's no wrong answer. The correct answer is the one that actually fits the family's and the patient's goals and expectations and preferences. Thank you for sharing such wise words. That is so, so true. So thank you so much for your time today. We know you are so busy. And so we appreciate you taking time to sit down with us and sit down with our listeners and help them understand OIT and then what life afterwards is going to look like. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. Before we say goodbye today, we just want to highlight one more time FACS Platinum sponsor, the National Peanut Board, and we would like to thank them for their years of continued support and partnership. Thank you for listening to FACS Roundtable Podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes coming soon. Please subscribe, leave a review, and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Have a great day and always be kind to one another. <music>